the game on the line, you can't fold and you can't bend. Y'all uh, be playing it safe and I be going for the win. Remember back when they was doubting on the kid. Uh, now they tuned in because my game too legit. All right, here we go. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. This is a second chance podcast. Um, you know, again, I have another special guest because that's what I do. I try to find people that uh, will be able to provide value to us. Um, this this guest, it's a really cool uh, experience for me, the kind of how we met. I was at uh, Shane Farrar's at a friend of ours house, and uh, he was outside. We started talking, just kind of talking about our experiences and our life and the story that he told me about uh, his life and what he's had to overcome just absolutely blew me away. It was extremely motivating. And then he pulls out a picture to show me uh, kind of some of the stuff that he does on the side. And it's a picture of him and behind him is a hundred young black kids. And immediately I was like, whatever that is, it's freaking awesome. And I need to know more about that. So it was, it was really cool. And he explained to me how he teaches financial literacy to at risk and just kind of like the minority generation to, or not generation, but just kind of to help like bridge that gap. And we're going to go further, further into the financial literacy part after we kind of get to know uh, my buddy Paul and kind of what he stands for. But first of all, Paul, thank you very much for being here. Can you kind of uh, tell my guests who you are, you know, where you come from? And if you don't mind, will you share the same story that you share with me? Thank you, Sean. I, look, I, first off, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I mean, we met at church what, over a year ago, and we never reconnected until we, ha by happen chance, we met each other again at uh, Shane's house. And for some reason, you know, how God works is timing is everything. And we just reconnected. And that was a powerful uh, uh, chance meeting again, because we really saw each other for who we were at that particular time. So, you know, what you're doing here with Second Chance, I'm, I'm humbled to be part of your board. So thank you for that opportunity. And I love what you're doing with the kids. I mean, we had our first meeting and with, with the kids a couple weeks ago where I was able to give my my seminar and it was it was powerful. So first off, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really powerful. And I was going to go into all that down the road, but it's okay that you kind of jumped into it. Now, I, what I do want to say is when I realized your, um, your passion and your love for, you know, the at risk youth kind of the same, shared the same heart kind of towards that. Um, immediately, you were willing to hop on our board. And you've been all in since day one. So thank you for that, man, because uh, I was starting to, you know, it's me and Garrett have been, you know, putting a lot into this and kind of sometimes you feel like you're not getting much traction and you came along and just sparked life into this. So, but uh, go ahead, take over. Sorry, I would, I'll talk all day. Well, no, no, that's all good because it all ties together because truthfully what happens is something in your life occurs, right? You know what I mean? And in my life, it's all about overcoming adversity. And I think that's where you and I connect, right? You know I mean, you were incarcerated, you went through your thing, though I didn't learn the power of uh, adversity through, incarceration, you know, I mean, I come from very humble beginnings. You know, I mean, I grew up in, you know, in this part of Southern Maryland I grew up in, there's no really poor, but you have upper middle, 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 and lower middle, right, class. I was in the lower middle growing up, you know what I mean? Now my father, he's a very successful businessman, you know what I mean, has, has really done a lot. But as a kid, we didn't have any of that. You know, I mean, my younger siblings are ones that really got to appreciate and enjoy the fruits of what happened. But for me as a kid, I mean, my parents got divorced when I was six. You know, you have to process that as a child and go through the agony of divorce and being separated. 
then my father remarried to an absolutely horrible human being, right? You know what I mean? This lady was just you know, devil incarnate. I mean, she was very physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive to me and my sister. So you have to, to overcome that abuse, which, I mean, to be honest with you, you can, you knew and I've talked about that and how that can carry into your adult life. And I mean, my siblings have had some issues getting past that as well, but you go through it and it, it really hindered my emotional and uh, maturity till I got older. Right. So you finally feel like you're getting past those, that childhood trauma and my father had started a construction company when I was in college. So all through college, while all my friends are at the beach, you're having a good time, I'm in pouring concrete, right? I'm knee deep in concrete on the front of the concrete hose. You know, everybody's like, hey, you know, hey, you're in shape. How'd you get there? Wasn't a gym. It was the front of a concrete hose, right? I mean, so I've been a blue collar worker my whole life. And I have that blue collar mentality and mantra with everything that I do. So I worked myself up into the business, through the business, and, you know, went from a concrete laborer to working in the accounting department after graduating from college, went out into the construction field, became a field engineer, a project engineer, a project manager, and then worked myself up into an executive division manager, where at one point during the boom in the uh, mid-2000s, we were doing $60 million worth of work a year, and became the largest site excavation contractor in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. So, you know, you, you feel like you're earning your stripes, right? You're, you're doing the right things, right? You're working hard. Well, a couple years later, my father came to me and said, I'm out. I'm selling the company. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you're out, right? I mean, I've been 27 years later in the family business, earning my stripes, working hard, He's out. Well, it took two years to unpack and, and go through that whole trans, transition because of a lot of different things. But basically, the sale process took two miserable years. Eight months after the company was sold, I was called into the new CEO's office, somebody that I knew, somebody that, you know, when you're working with people that closely, you call each other brother, friend, right? You're, you're that close. Well, I sit down. He takes my employment contract and literally, it's, it's, this is not an exaggeration, throws my employment contract in my face and says, you're fired, get out. So January 2015, I'm 45 years old. I find myself, I'm, I'm an adult. I got kids, I'm married, got a mortgage, got everything. I mean, now I've saved some money, which is part of how we get into the financial literacy. But I, I don't have anything. Betrayed. Right. People that you thought were that you could trust completely turned on you. So my whole life at 45 years old, you know I mean, I thought I was heading in one direction. Gone. It's gone. I don't know what I'm going to do. But in the, the literacy course we talk about, we talk about the traits associated with overcoming adversity and stuff. The one thing I never did, I never stopped. I never felt sorry for myself. I was flat on my back in my basement floor, but I very quickly started a construction management firm. Then I had an opportunity to buy uh, my first franchise. So I bought a Sky Zone franchise and brought it to Waldorf, Maryland. And of course, when you, know, you have one identity where most people identify you as a construction guy, and now you're bringing something new, innovative, different, people I knew said, you're stupid. Why the heck would you do that? 
So you bought yourself a little bounce house. So then the haters, right? The haters are going to get on you and they're going to chirp at you and they're going to tell you how dumb you are for taking a risk and doing something. Well, lo and behold, within three years, not only did I open my first Sky Zone, I bought a second territory and opened that one and was very successful. Well, as you go through life and you go through these seasons, I'm like, you know what? It's time for me to sell it. So I started working on, I built a portfolio, I'm going to sell it. Well, guess what happens? COVID. COVID happens. So here I am, I, I, I get off my basement floor, put in the work, worked 18 hours a day, had three companies, my construction management, two sky zones, I'm grinding, I'm doing good, I decide I'm going to sell my, my two businesses, two of my businesses, and then the government shuts my business down. So here I am again, right back on my floor, the same spot, wondering what I did wrong. But you know what you got to do? You got to, I mean, I got, what am I going to do? Am I later? No, you get up. So I had to quickly try to maneuver and figure these things out, right? Well, we got through COVID, opened the businesses. Of course, you were limited capacity. You got to figure out how to reinvent your business more cost efficiently, right? So, you I mean, again, you're learning about money. You learn about efficiency. So I opened my businesses back up. The sellers come back in, and this past April, I sold both of my Sky Zones to two different business groups two weeks apart. And here we are right now in front of you, part of Second uh, Chance uh, Mentors, doing some good work. That's so awesome, dude. That's It's really crazy because it's so easy to um, – a lot of people, when they when they hit that adversary, adversary – Adversity, like when uh, when you were let go from your own father's company, basically. I mean, I know it wasn't his anymore at that point, but it's easy to get stuck in like a self pity kind of feeling sorry for yourself stage. Um, so I have a lot of respect the fact that you were like, like you even told me at lunch today, it didn't even change your wake up schedule. Like you continued to wake up that early, even with no purpose for a little bit, and just kept pushing through that, which I think is awesome. Uh, one question that I want to ask is. How did you or how were you able to, even being called stupid, I feel like you had to really step out of your comfort zone to be able to start that second location. Tell me, uh, you've given me some advice on this before, and tell me your thoughts on like getting stuck in a comfort zone. Well, I mean, comfort kills. Comfort will kill your desire to do more because you'll be afraid. Fear, right? Fear is the acronym for false evidence appearing real. So people will psych themselves up. Well, I'm comfortable. So you spend most of the time contemplating what you're afraid of, of, of losing. You know, in your situation, you lost everything, right? You had to start from scratch because of a decision you made and look at what you're doing with that. You're not letting fear drive you open your second gym right now, right? But, yeah, and you're 100% right. And I... But I definitely, definitely, definitely have been struggling with it. I'm just trying to make the moves regardless of it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if, like, I've been fearful even this morning worrying about opening the second location. Is it going to work? Is it going to, you know what I mean? I don't, I get scared of failure. But I feel like if you listen to any, like, business coaches, any sort of, like, entrepreneurs that have really made successful, you have to take risks to be able to make it, to be able to be successful. Because if I would just stay stuck and happy and content in my one gym, 
I've already pretty much maxed that out. You know what I mean? We have full sessions. We have a full membership. Um, and it's not like I need to, I necessarily want to make more money to be like rich. That's really not my driving force. My driving desire is not to be, have a ton of money. Mine is to be able to have more impact. And I feel like when I pursue impact, I'm able to get out of that fear-based thinking. You know what I mean? So the worst thing is that I'm going in and trying to, you know, save more people's lives and get people in shape and, and help with, uh, help them build confidence. I really can't lose in that situation. So I have to kind of change my way of thinking because I do get stuck in the thinking like, oh my God, this was dumb. We literally like just spent f- half of our money for sure to open this second location. What if it doesn't work? And if you go back to my past, um, from ages 16 to 26, um, I messed up every single thing that I started. I messed up a full ride scholarship for soccer, failed out of college, kicked out of the Marines. Then right when my son's born, I'm sentenced to 13 years in federal prison. So like I came out of prison with that mentality of, oh my God, I'm going to mess things up. You know what I mean? So I I still have to battle with that. But everything you said is right on point. Uh, I definitely think that comfort is where, you know, people's dreams go to die, you know? Well, and and again, there's two parts to this because you you, you hit impact and I want to touch on impact, but I want to answer your question first on, on comfort. You know, I was forced by no fault of my own to be uncomfortable. And to anybody out there listening, when you can take yourself and put yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You, in order to really high achieve, you have to understand the power of being uncomfortable. Because if it doesn't scare you and drive you to get up every day, like I said, I was fired and I still got up at 6 a.m. every morning, went to the gym and made something happen. You know I mean, I, you know, you have to set this, this discipline in you. You know, I sold my businesses. I still get up at six o'clock every day and I'm working out to maintain that high level of discipline and not being comfortable with where I am. You know I mean, financially challenging myself and making sure that I'm handling my portfolio right. So you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. The second part of what you said is, is where you and I have so much in common, and that is the desire to make a positive impact in your community. When I got fired from Ficina Construction, when I was at Ficina, I was on the board of the United Way. I was on the board of the College of Southern Maryland, and I, I was in the community. We did things. I mean, we rebuilt the Pentagon after the attacks. I was there 9-11, and I, I, I had that experience. With, it was completely surreal where you're, you're at ground zero during one of the most crazy attacks that's ever happened on this, in, in our nation, and you're feeling this sense of national pride where at the same time you're sitting there and you're seeing the innocent lives lost and the charred remains of people being removed. I mean, you're talking about an impact. I mean, we rebuilt the town of La Plata after the tornado that hit in 2004. My crews were the ones that were tasked by my father to get the temporary office facility done in eight days. There were trees on the lot. There was nothing there. But in eight days, we took it from nothing to all these pad sites and 28 trailers so so the people didn't leave La Plata and lose their jobs right? Lose their businesses. So when you talk about impact, and that's what I lost when I lost Ficina, right? So that's what drove me to open the sky zones was impact. And little did I know 
the power of the impact that was about to happen to me. Because here I am in Southern Maryland, most of the kids that worked for me, the vast majority were young black kids. And here I am, look, look let's, we're going to be honest, right? This, this is the whole point of this, is talking straight and being a, I'm this older white guy that's a blue-collar guy that walks into, I built my office in one of my skies. As I come in, I got mud on my boots because I'm still doing the construction management. And these kids are seeing me come in and out, interacting with them, and they want to know, okay, all they think is, is this some rich white guy. But the power of that experience shattered every racial narrative that those kids heard and that I heard because we generally loved each other and, and developed relationships. That's bro. That's so good. That just gave me chills because that is what I like. That is like, I feel like part of my, like my purpose is exactly what you just said to find a way to, and I know, and I'm not talking about some like white savior complex. I'm just talking about like, just finding a way to try to bridge that divide of like different stereotypes that go both ways. Right. I feel like it's just ruining our country. And when there's so much more potential, um, I want to kind of turn here for a second and go into back when the first time that me and you met and you showed me that picture of all the, the hundred black kids or, and, and you, and I was like, dude, what is this? And you were like, yeah, I just, I teach financial literacy. Like right then I knew that was a God moment because that was like, what our program needed to get to the next level that I didn't even know about. Like I didn't even realize it. It's not like I was thinking, Hey, we need to teach these kids financial literacy. It had never even crossed my mind. Um, and real quick, I just want to, before we get into the financial literacy part, I want to kind of read a couple of things that I found on here that to me are just mind blowing that I had no idea about, but it definitely makes sense because I feel like a big part of why there's um, uh, such a separation in race uh, in our country. And this right here kind of like, explains part of it. So in the school districts, uh, this is from annuity.org. So this is a, a nonprofit company that does this sort of research um, in the school districts where 75% of the kids are on free lunch, right? So we're looking, we're talking lower income, um, probably um, uh, I'm just guessing a d diversity that's in a lower income area. Um, only 3% of the students at all were required to take any sort of financial literacy or learn anything about financial literacy, 3% in an entire school district. And 52% uh, were given the option, but only 3% took advantage of it, were other numbers. But then we go to the school district where only 25% or less kids are on free lunch or reduced lunch. So we're now we're looking at a higher income area, right? Um, three times as many kids um, took advantage of it. So 61% of the kids were given the option. And it says we're looking at over 15% took advantage of it. Now I know those are small numbers, but it's exactly what is going on in our country with the gap is going to why, you know what I mean? Like we got to find a way to, to bridge that divide by teaching these at risk. I call them at risk youth, um, different minorities, uh, kids that aren't available, don't have the same upbringing or aren't taught the same things growing up. Um, we got to find a way to, to teach these kids how to work with money, how to work with credit, how to work so that we can bring them up. Because if you're not trying to reach back, and or reach across the aisle or whatever you want to call it and help people up, then you're what I would say that you're not, you know, causing any impact, right? You're just kind of a taker. Um, and I, and that's something that's really important to me. So can you kind of explain how you got into uh, creating or teaching or how the financial literacy stuff with these youth even came about? You know, I mean, great question. And, and it is truly, you know, it's funny, I sit here today, and it, it was a fluke, 
I mean, the truth of the matter is this whole thing happened, and regardless of your theology, I happen to have strong theology, right? I, I'm, I'm a Christian man, and I'm very open about it, but God will put things in your life and will direct you. If you're willing to listen and follow it, <laughs> you'll be amazed at what happens. So I, I opened these sky zones, right? You know what I mean? And like I said, the picture you saw was me and, and one of my teams, right? So that just shows you the opportunity it was presented, right, of, of how diverse my group was, right? You know what I mean? And, and you see everybody happy, smiling, right? You know what I mean? So, so that's one part of that. The financial literacy course was birthed from a um, rule that I had with my kids. So I would go to each park several times a day, right? You know what I mean? Typically go back and forth. And then as the things got really busy, I'd spend one day at one or whatever. But my rule was if I'm in the park and a church group or a mentor group shows up, and normally you can tell because they all wear T-shirts, just like I'm wearing the Second Chance Mentor shirt, right? So they, they all identify themselves because they are all going to wear the same shirt. So my team knew that if I was in the park, you come get me. Because with a church group, what I did is I set up, it, well, any nonprofit, I gave them 20% off right there of anything they wanted. But with church groups, I also offered a free party room, if they did it during the week, to have the Bible study because I was really trying to reach out and, and, and create more of a community. That was important to me. Well, this one Saturday, by happen chance, I was in one of my sky zones, and my team came and said, hey, we have a mentor group upstairs. I said, great. So I went up, and I introduced myself to this guy named Raymond. And me and Raymond hit it off, right? I mean, really well, and he had this young mentor group. And I said, hey, look, you ever let me know if you need anything from me. I'm here to help. Just let me know. Well, Raymond wasn't shy, and we, we had forged some sort of a friendship. Well, he had call, uh, called me and says, hey, Paul, would you want to talk to the kids? I'm like, sure. What do, you want me, what, what do you want to do? He goes, well, we're talking about money. I said, okay, I'll come up with something. I said, I'll, I'll, better yet, why don't you bring the kids in? I'll cook them pizza. I'll give this little quick seminar that I'll create and then we'll give him some free jump time and just we'll do it that way. So that's the way it was birthed. So he challenged me. All he told me was money. So the day before I went and I got some of those, you know, those big note sheets, the, you know, the notepads. And I, I just sat down at my kitchen table and now I'm being honest, said a little prayer, said, okay, where are we going with this God? And I created the baseline of this entire financial seminar in one hour at my kitchen table the day before I had to present it. So I presented the, faith, the, the financial seminar, and at the end of it, I'm looking at Raymond and saying, like, what did you think? Was that okay? He goes, I, I didn't know. He's like, oh my. He goes, Paul, you crushed it. He said, we tried to explain exactly what you just explained, but we didn't do it as well as you did. And the next thing you know, it grows into me talking to schools and, and church youth groups and, and doing all kinds of interesting stuff. You know, I, that actually uh, the couple that was a minority ownership in the Sky Zone Waldorf one I sold, they have their own nonprofit called the Toonami Group. And they do some powerful, powerful financial literacy and some things too. Well, they brought in kids from Ward 8 D.C., to Sky Zone Waldorf, and I presented it to them. And the best part about this, and look, look, we're going to be honest here, right? 
when these kids come in, one, some of them know Sky Zone. They don't know Sky Zone. They just want to, they, they don't even know why they're there, but they're all hardened. Most of these kids have a preconceived stereotype about me and, and everything else. They want to be there. And these kids from Ward 8 come in and they sit down and they're looking at me like, what's this guy going to talk to me about? Every time you get that edge, you feel it. And every single time at the end of the session, these kids are dapping me up, giving me hugs, giving me high fives, and we are changing the narrative. We are teaching kids just, you know, this is basic stuff. It's, it's not overly complex information, but it's presented in a way that talks about overcoming adversity because most of these kids all come from something rough. And I'm not going to get through to them if I'm some, you know, polished guy that isn't real with them about my own adversity that I had to overcome. So, so my program, what I do is I teach them about overcoming life first. This is me. This is what happened to me. And I tell them that if you can't overcome adversity in your life, you can't handle money because they go hand in hand. It's really good, dude. It's really good, especially because, and I love how you've said this to me before about, you're like, life is hard, right? Like, they're, they're going to, there's nobody that's going to just go through life from A to B or A to Z, whatever you call it, and not have to experience some adversity. So if you can teach these kids at a young age, like, look, expect it, but know that you have to get right back up and keep pushing is really like an awesome um, way to go in that aspect. Another thing that's really cool is, that I've experienced and I experience regularly every time I go to the schools on a Friday and I speak with these kids, um, it's always going to be, it's always about, you know, 10 to 12, you know, young black, mostly Hispanic. There's always like one or two white kids in there. And I immediately have that to overcome that initial, like, man, what does this man want to talk to me about? This guy don't know me. This guy doesn't know anything about my life. And as soon as I tell him, you know, well, for one, I got some dope Jordans on. Right. But really, (laughs) but once I start talking about, you know, my, you know, selling drugs and going to prison. And now they're like, oh man, my uncle did that happened to my uncle or that happened to my dad. You know how many of them they say, man, that's my dad. And then I show them that look like, but you can overcome that. Right. And it's that same sort of thing. And then by the end of it, they're like, man, Mr. Sean, I want to be in your program. So it's the same way that you've had to like overcome that stereotype towards. And, and again, I'm empathetic towards the, towards kids for feeling that way, you know, because maybe they have, or their parents or someone's gone through something to to make them feel that that's necessary. But um, anyways, what I think what you're doing with the financial stuff is freaking awesome. Well, what's cool too about, I mean, again, you know, this program is meant for kids, right? I mean, anywhere from seventh grade all through even college, right? They can get something. If they're sixth grade's a little too young for them to grasp some of this stuff and they're a little too immature, but you get up to seventh grade and up, I mean, this is meant for them, right? This truly is. But what's interesting about the second chance mentors that I like is some of these kids have slung dope. And when we had our, our program a couple weeks ago, the one thing that, that, that blew my mind is, and when I, by the end of the program, you know, when we were sitting there eating burgers at Myrtle's burgers and I'm talking to a couple of these kids, I'm like, you have the skill set. If you can sling dope and do what you're doing, if you can apply that to a legal way, in a business, a legitimate thing. You're ahead of the game. It's so funny you say that because uh, people don't realize that I feel like that's one of the reasons I'm so successful. I mean, not so successful. I'm definitely not so successful, but successful in my business and 
is because I did spend 10 years selling drugs and I did learn a lot along the way about business and sales and communication. And, and I'm not pleased. I'm not trying to push it in a positive way, but I'm saying you're right. These kids don't realize that that's running a business. That's entrepreneurship. It's so entrepreneurship we, all the way. If we can teach them how to turn that and do it for something positive, it's awesome. Dude, the one kid, so we got done, um, Paul got done teaching the class. And it was so funny because you came up to me and you were like, with this sincere, like, how did I do? Like, like almost like a little kid after a football <laughs> game. You know what I mean? Like, dad, how did I do? And I was like, the fact that you don't realize that you just gave the most amazing presentation to these kids uh, was mind blowing, but very humble of you because it, it was awesome. The presentation was awesome. The way these kids did not turn away from you the entire time. They were super paying attention. They were all in on it. So we get in my truck to, to go do community service and four of the kids get in the back of my truck and the one kid reaches up, puts his head like right by my ear. Like I can still feel the chills that the guy, he get. and he was like, Mr. Sean, like I'm ready to go and get it. And that's the name of your course. Go and get it. Yeah. Get up and go get it. So, because you got to overcome it first and then you got to have the tenacity to go get it. And this kid is, is he's, he's rough. Like he's rough. Like he's been in the streets since he was 12 years old. You know, he's a 16 year old kid and, uh, and then he called me that Monday and said, Mr. Sean, I put, I put in an application at QT. I put, he like went and, and put in three applications to different jobs. And by that Friday was hired at QT, which like for a 16 year old kid at QT, they pay like $15 an hour. They pay for college. Like that could literally change the trajectory of his life because you, even if it only helped one kid, even if you do this seminar a thousand times and only helped one kid, I really feel like that, you know, that's, enough or you know what I mean like that's my theory with the mentorship is uh if if I helped one kid it was worth it you know you know it's funny you say that when I was at Sky Zone I offered because some of the kids would see these programs right they're working while we're doing the program right so some of the kids that work for me would be like what, what's Paul doing what's he doing who are these kids what's going on so I offered to do the program to some of the kids that work there now here's the interesting thing all they all like, yeah, we're in, we're in. I'm like, okay, I'll set it up. I'll do it for you guys. No problem. I had one time there, all these kids agreed to do it. Only one showed up. You know what I did? We did it anyway. I did it anyway. And that young lady that worked for me is, was, I, I called my real superstar uh, girls that worked for me, my lionesses. She was one of my lionesses, and I called the guys that really stepped up my warriors. So I had my warriors and my lionesses. My lioness, she, she got it, and she still applies it today. That's so cool. That's really awesome. Um, one last thing that I really want to go into, because we could go all day on the financial literacy, literacy stuff, but if you could give, like, three pieces of advice, it doesn't have to be three, what would be some um, – to anyone listening, maybe if there's any 18-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids, maybe even 25, 30, this might even be good for me. What are some uh, pieces of advice that you would give that you would hope that someone would really be able to take away to be able to like change the trajectory of themselves financially? Okay, and let's take this in two buckets, right? Let's take the financial thing and then life thing. We'll do the financial thing part first, right? Mm -hmm. And it's some of this is in my program, but I just want to share it real quick. First, if you're a young out there, I mean, look, even if you're a parent, I mean, anybody, the first thing you got to do is save money. If you're not saving money, you're not going to help yourself. I mean, 10% of everything you make needs to go in the bank. You have to save money. 
Because the only way that you can experience the power of compound interest is by putting money aside. And that's how you really start to accumulate and make your money work for you. Because in my program, I teach these kids, money is not the goal. Money is a tool. All money is is a hammer. And once they grasp the concept that having a wad of cash isn't the end game, that's only your hammer, then you've got them where you want them to be. So that would be the first thing. The second thing is understanding debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Bad debt is credit cards. If you're running up credit cards and you're paying all this crazy interest and all you're doing is making the minimum payment and things, you're going in the wrong direction. That's bad debt. However, if you own a home and you have a mortgage and you've leveraged a little bit, you know I mean? Having debt on your house is not a bad thing. One, you do get a little bit of tax break, but you're still paying more than you're getting the benefit. But still, you're able to own this asset and make this asset work for you. On the side of life, this is where it get, where really, honestly, the financial part's important, but I love making sure that I, I, people understand life. So first one is, you have to choose victory over being a victim. Do not let your circumstances handicap you. I have seen firsthand what a handicap, emotionally handicapped person does. They go nowhere and they play the victim card. You have to triumph over your tragedy. You have to do that. You have to pull yourself up. And look, it's not easy. What you did isn't easy. What I did isn't easy. But you create a program for yourself where you're disciplined, you're relentless, and you're focused. And you just go get it. That's why I call it go get it, right? And the get up is just not choosing to be a victim. And the, the other thing that I'll close on this that I teach the kids is the two most precious commodities that you have are time and opportunity. You control neither one of them. But it's the more principle is that I call it, right? This is the, I coined the acronym more. And more is multiply opportunities, resources, and experiences. And basically, if you're not seizing the opportunities and properly utilizing your time, I'm always, you're going to fill your cup of life with something. You have a certain capacity, and you're going to put something in there every day. And with the kids, are you putting video games in there or not? Are you reading? Are you doing your homework? Right? For me, I'm in the gym. I'm 53 years old. I don't want to be out of shape. I'm going to fill it with positive things. I'm going to read my Bible app every day. I'm going to join second chance mentors. So I'm going to fill my cup with what we were talking about, impact. I want to make an impact. But you can't do it from comfort of your couch. I don't know anybody in Texas. I'm new to Texas. I moved here a year and a half ago. Right? I mean, I met you early on, and here we are a year later and now connecting and doing something. But what are you going to do with your time? And every time that I've been challenged by somebody or been told, hey, you're stupid, you bought a bounce house, you're doing that, you're doing it, all that does is fill me. I'm ready. 
I'm locked and loaded every day. You got to grab me by the collar because I will not let anybody or any circumstance dictate to me how I'm going to operate. I'm about ready to run through that door and go start <laughs> another business. No, Paul, your energy is contagious, man. And, and I know that you're, everything you say is so real. It's so you. Like anyone could just get on here and start talking. But I, I know you actually live this life, man. And that's really cool. Um, I want to say if anybody is interested, and I might as well throw this plug out there, especially because he's doing it for Second Chance Mentors. But um, if anybody is interested in having Paul and, uh, and us come and share this financial literacy course, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, we would love to. Uh, you could reach us uh, a couple options forgiven af podcast at gmail.com is a is like the the um email for the podcast you can i mean i'll put my phone number out there you could call me 817-760-9544 and we can set that up because uh, kids need to hear this like kids need to hear this stuff it's it's so good um it's so motivating and it's so like just the not being a victim part bro like you completely take away your potential potential to have impact if you're just sitting around feeling sorry for yourself like you're a victim. And don't get me wrong, we know, especially, I mean, look at us, we know that people go through hard stuff. But you can't just feel sorry for yourself and get stuck there because then your entire life is just wasted at that point. Look, I know people right now that, and you don't name names, right, that, that are, are wasting their life away in self-pity, hate, anger, and all kinds of different things. And, and look, and I'm not saying that they're not justified feeling that way. You know what I mean? The problem is life goes on. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when life does what life does and it punches you square in the nose and knocks you flat on your back? Now, look, there's some people that somehow go through dancing through the tulips and most of them are, hey, okay. You know I mean? yeah, look, and we're not talking to those people because they don't have a sense of perspective anyway. Yeah. I'm talking to real people. You know, I'm talking to people that live life, take the lumps. But the, the thing that I'm going to challenge you, get up. Get up. Go get it. I tell these kids at the end of it, I tell them, take a little sticky note, write, go get it and put it on your mirror. Because I know all of them comb their hair, right? You know what I mean? So they're going to see it every day. And that's the challenge. What are you going to do and how are you going to make an impact? Because I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, just that's what drives me. And that's why you and I hit it off so much, because that's the powerful part of being a productive citizen is making an impact. It's so good, dude. It's so good. Let's wrap it up there because we could do this all day long. But I mean, I what was that 45, 50 minutes or so. And I, there's a lot of good information right there. Um, Paul, thank you very much for coming. Uh, I don't even know what to say then. Like I can't even follow up all that intensity <laughs> and energy because I'm like super excited about it. Um, just the only thing is make sure everybody knows that this is free. I mean, we're not asking for a dime here, right? You know I mean, so there, there's no charge for what God has put in me. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's a great point because that could definitely keep some kids from, if someone thought they had to pay a lot of money for it, that would keep people from wanting to do this. Um, want to real quick, just shout out, um, this hat that I have on, it's a, it's a brand, a guy that I want to start supporting. It's called Father Figure. You can look him up um, on Instagram. It's a really cool, really cool clothing line that has to do with, you know, being a father and being present in your kid's life. So check that out. And remember, before I close out, I want to tell you that you're loved, you're forgiven, 
and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.